1: Mobilized by the Secret Masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co host, Don Chisholm. Hey, you got orcs in my spaceship. And tonight, we're going to be talking about fantasy. Not space fantasy per se, as uh, Don was just talking about, although Warhammer 40k is indeed awesome, and we'll talk about that in another show. But we're going to be talking about fantasy in general, as a genre. What is fantasy exactly? Where did it come from? What's it doing? You know, does it like to do on Friday nights? We're going to find out. Um, and maybe even where it's going someday. It's probably going to go to college, but it's still trying to decide what to do with its life. <laughs> it's going to take a year off, travel Europe, find itself. Exactly. That's what I expect fantasy <laughs> to do. Anyway, so first, I guess we should probably start with the basics, right? So, yeah. Don, what is fantasy? How would you define it?
0: All right, I'm going to give... Because uh, I think it it applies even more in, in this uh, this case. My quintessential don't-get-wrapped-around-the-axle-about-definition speech. You suck. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just getting out of the way now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, why well, and I say that because... There, There's there's always, fantasy's one of them things, there's always a big, huge debate. I always defined it as, is there a wizard and a guy with a sword in it? Yep, it's fantasy. That's
1: a general description, <laughs> although there are fantasy stories that don't involve magic. You can do fantasy without magic, which is kind of alternate world stuff, but there's not magic per se in it. And yep. there's some settings where magic is, I would put magic in quotes because it. For example, is actually psionics or sci-fi stuff, or that going on, serving the per- place of magic? I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of um, where you can already see uh, a definition. Mm-hmm. That there, somebody fantasy's been around for a long time. Somebody's already usurped every mm-hmm. aspect of it you can name. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, time ty- terms, I think fantasy. Ref- you can say it refers to uh like an archaic setting mhm they're not generally modern they're they're what we consider old timey our ours in the west are usually like middle ages dark ages kind of stuff yep almost always yeah yeah you've got um humanity may not be the dominant species you may or may not have uh uh magic mm-hmm. magic kind of takes the place in a lot of ways of science usually yeah and magic often comes out of the idea of uh theology or myth which are more important mm-hmm. to the setting than say like science fiction right and uh there there's a famous uh what's new from a really old dragon that uh, Phil Foglio mm-hmm. approached this what's the difference between science fiction and fantasy and he basically one of the things he starts the comic saying well there really isn't any sea but they get more into it and he says that that idea of myth as he says the romanticism is is one of the big differences. And he shows this wizard. He's got a wand and he's casting this fireball. And then they show this like, science fiction warrior guy in the same pose. And he's got like a laser pistol and he's shooting the same blast. And then he says, but the big difference between fantasy and sci-fi is, is this mythology's romanticism. And they mm-hmm. show this other character asking the wizard, where did you get that? I had to face the army of Rangoon while digging through the dark tunnels of blah, blah, blah. And he's got this big explanation and the next panel is the sci-fi guy. Where'd you get it? Sears, 2995. Yeah, you could work with that. I mean, mm-hmm. I might go a little simpler than that and say...
1: Fantasy is an imaginative yesterday, and
0: science fiction is an imaginative tomorrow. That's pretty good. Um, I think, again, like I said, that's already – everything we've both said has been usurped already. Yeah, pretty much. Because I think there's – especially in the last 20 years, there's been different permutations on that. Because you could do – I mean, they
1: don't technically call it fantasy, but for example, some people have written you know, alternate world fiction where it's like, well, what if the Nazis you know, won or you know, what if uh, you know, the Mongols won or whatever, things like that, and they set stories that way. So it's, and I would consider those fantasy, actually, although I know they're generally called you know, alternate world stories, as I just said. They're still a form of fantasy, again, depending on how they play out. But if the technology aspect is played down, it's usually fantasy. I mean, unless it's steampunk, in which case it's steampunk. So, you know, a, a yesterday basically where, as you said, uh, magic is often taking the place of science will work. But some post-apocalyptic stuff, I would argue, is still fantasy as well. Mostly because, again, the technology disappeared, right? The technology is being replaced by something else
0: or is very limited at best. Or I would even say it's presented differently. True. Because you've already mentioned Warhammer 40,000. Yep, that's true. And I would consider that a proper uh, fantasy setting over a sci-fi setting. Yes, I would and, agree. And it's because there's technology, but it's presented as magic. It's it's the, the idea is that tens of thousands of years ago, humanity lost the, the ability to understand it, but it was mm. advanced enough that the technology perpetuates itself. Right. So you have it all, like there's, there's in the original Rogue Trader book, there's a a Mm -hmm. little section about activating a robot. Right. Thou shalt strike twice the rune marked on. If the iron beast does not animate it, prayers and venerations to the machine god are said. And, And it's, it's technology, but again, it's presented as fantasy. Hmm. And even just the little bit we've, we've discussed here, that idea of fantasy as a term mm-hmm. has a lot of connotations because when you say fantasy, most people think sword and sorcery. Yeah, pretty much. Which I think is what we're going to work with here. But fantasy generally can mean anything that's not real. So if the Nazis win World War Two and we're all goose-stepping in the streets now, that's properly fantasy, but it's not yeah. what we would apply that term
1: to. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. So most people, when they think of... Fantasy, when they hear the word fantasy, they're thinking of Tolkien slash D&D for the most part. I mean, yeah. that's that's fantasy for variants thereof. That's what fantasy is for most people. As a commonly understood genre, that's it, basically. Yeah, I, th- I think um, what we can do, because I had five types of fantasy... Okay, well, let's go into that. Otherwise, we're just here in the weeds, basically arguing back and forth over really tiny stuff. And our audience is probably already bored to tears. So (laughs) let's get into your uh, definitions. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, um, I think I'd start with... um, That ties into what we said before. The first kind of fantasy, I would say, is historical fantasy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. is how would you define it? It's basically where you take some kind of olden times Mm -hmm. and you present an unreal story... Mm-hmm. But with the laws of olden times, and you can do it where, uh, say, it would be ancient Greece, mm-hmm. and it's more or less a straight-up story set in ancient Greece with characters that never existed. Right, okay. Or you could do an ancient Greece story that takes place in, in, in ancient Greece, but where the myth and all of that and the, the prevalent philosophies of the day are real.
1: Yes. Wouldn't that be the
0: difference between what's commonly referred to as high fantasy and low fantasy? It kind it kind of is, because there's a weird caveat. Because high and low fantasy are basically what I'd say they're in the next categories. Okay. Okay.
1: Got it. Um, but, okay, that's definitely historical fantasy, which can be played as real realistic historical fantasy, basically, or you know, more fantastical historical fantasy. Yeah. Okay, that definitely works. Yeah, I can totally see that, and I think most people would agree with that. Yeah, because typical, like... Fantasy,
0: fantasy, Mm -hmm. usually takes place not in our proper history, but in kind of um, pseudo history. Yeah, so a lot of what we um, we consider fantasy in the West uh, draws from, like I said, it'll be like medieval Europe is the template, Mm -hmm. but it's it's not the same countries or anything. Um, You go to the East, Mm -hmm. a lot of like Eastern sort of fantasy. Is basically set in like feudal China, but it's not feudal China. It borrows a lot of the trappings of it. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And it's because again, it's, it's, it's like you were saying fantasy is this past that didn't happen. So that's Mm -hmm. where our minds go and we'll usually start from something familiar.
1: Right. And that's generally done because like the less you make the audience's imagination work the better. I know that sounds, um... (laughs) wrong but that's actually kind of how it works in real uh writing and creating fantasy settings and stuff everyone wants to create their original fantasy setting but the truth is what the audience wants is a setting that's easy to understand yeah and guess what that's the real setting for the most part or what their conception of real history or the real setting was yeah so that's why it's generally best for most and this is what most writers do is to just Take, quote unquote, medieval Europe, and then you put this little spin on it, and the spin is the focus. The audience will already understand the medieval Europe concept,
0: and we just put the spin on it, and we're good to go. Yeah, because we said that a few episodes ago when you write, if you're writing the fantastical, it's generally accepted that you add one fantastic element to what the audience already knows. And and that's it. And you can do a lot more because if you use like a, a generic fantasy setting, everybody already knows what wizards are and there's going to be a dragon and probably dungeons and stuff like that. So you've already cribbed in a bunch of the extra effects.
1: Exactly. And it lets you add one more extra thing on top of that to kind of customize your generic fantasy setting. And you don't have to actually explain what a generic fantasy setting is. You don't even have to explain magic in a fantasy setting anymore. Yep. It's just, if it's a fantasy setting, orcs, dwarves, magic, dragons, like
0: just like you said. <laughs> yep, and then that's where you get the idea of high and low. High mm-hmm. fantasy is basically, it's Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Yep. Low fantasy is Conan.
1: Okay. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess that works. I guess that works as a definition. I mean... I have seen some stuff, and this has been more common in the last decade or so, but I've seen it before, what I would call really high fantasy. Uh-huh. Like there's stuff where it's about you know gods fighting each other and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's another level beyond Tolkien.
0: I think that, that would be high fantasy, but very, very high fantasy. It, it is, and this is one of the tricky things. Is High fantasy, uh, one of the biggest def- differences between high and low is high fantasy is epic. Right. It's the top of the food chain. It's the kings, the queens, the, the empires. Low fantasy is typically more personal. Right. Okay. It's the individual adventurer. Um, it's the guy trying to get through. If it's about a king, then it's about like his life and the people he interacts with and mm. him dealing with the plots and, and, and the stab in the back and all that kind of thing. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that works. And, and that's the big difference because they're very similar. Because oh. again, if you get to Lord of the Rings, right? It's it's basically about the mm. gods. It's kind just, of yeah okay. Because it's it's the a lot of the characters, mm-hmm. if they're not godlike, they're 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 portrayed almost as demi like Gandalf. Gandalf literally comes back from the dead. Well, Gandalf is a minor
1: god. He pretty much is, yeah. Well, that,
0: how he's presented. Even, like, uh, Galadriel is presented that she's this, like, all-powerful, like, elf. and
1: Right, yeah, it's true.
0: And you're fighting Sauron, who is, like, the living embodiment of evil.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. I, it's very epic, yep.
0: I, I think what happens there is to get to your idea that we're actually seeing stories with the gods. And, and we've seen them. They were, they were done, like, in Ancient Greece and that. Well Exactly, that, yeah. We saw the same stories. It's because the Tolkien stuff is presented as being huge. Mm. But if you get into, like, Lord of the Rings and that, none of it is actually huge. Right. It's presented, because the example is the one ring, which everybody, you get that, you control the world. What does it do? It makes you invisible and turns you chaotic evil. Like, that's all we see it do. Yeah, for a ring that was supposed to control the world, it really doesn't do anything. No, but it's presented as... And that's where I think the high fantasy, the origins of it come from, because in, in Tolkien's work especially Lord of the Rings, hmm. it's the story over the fact, and then that leads more to the epicness, and then that's what everybody draws whenever they do like a, a high fantasy thing.
1: That makes sense. Although, wasn't there the catch in Lord of the Rings... Sorry, this bugs me now. <laughs> isn't it the catch that there were all these rings, magic rings, that were given to the various kings of the land, like so many to the elves, so many to yep. the dwarves, so many to the humans, and isn't the whole point of the one ring, it's the ring that you can use to actually dominate the others if they're wearing the other rings. I well, thought that was the
0: point. No, there's that it's it's the one ring to rule them all, but we never really yet explained what that means. Yeah. Don't do we ever even see the other rings? I, I don't think f- we do. No, they get mentioned because it was was uh, it wasn't like 9 for the elves? Yeah. And 7 for the humans because the the ring wraiths are actually the uh, they're they're was it the human kings that got converted to evil? Oh, so
1: they were the ones who were wearing the rings. That's what they're called, they're the ringwraiths. Race. Ring race. Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. That's
0: where they are. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. So you get this, and again, you get this idea mm-hmm. of of epicness. Because like if you've played like D&D, the ringwraiths are like a level 6 encounter. Um, they are? That's it? Kind of. There There was, a, a, again, a semi-famous article from an early, early, early issue of Dragon. Right. Where they pointed out that Gandalf is only 5th level if you go by D&D rules. Everything he does could be done at fifth level. Mind you, in old, old, old D&D, fifth level was actually something. Yeah, it's pretty good, but I mean, it's, it's the, uh, the idea that a lot of his spells and that, the few that he actually uses, have a lot of flash and panache to them, but the actual mm. effects are kinda... Right.
1: Yeah, but being able to go toe to toe with the Balrog in that—that's a little more than fifth level. Yeah, but if you remember, he dies, so well, he doesn't. Is... <laughs> he doesn't go toe to toe with the Balrog. <laughs> he tries, but it doesn't go out so well. Yeah. Um, okay, because because the thing is, um, what gets me, I, and people can go check this out if they want. Go watch some of the uh, Chinese fantasy movies. There's a lot of them on Netflix these days, especially mm-hmm. like the Monkey King ones that they've got on Netflix and that that's god level stuff yeah and the chinese love their god level special effects fest and they really are all those characters are like superman level and Mm -hmm. i'm not kidding when i say god level stuff they're like the basic characters are superman level and then they go up from there in a lot of cases yeah and so they're really powerful we're watching these gods go toe-to-toe with each other and that's like a whole other thing that doesn't even resemble token-esque fantasy at this point
0: no but it does we do have um things like that in in the west mm. you do have a lot of uh like i said if you go back to like say ancient greece right yeah like it's literally like hercules is the son of the gods and you yep, have a yep. that's a lot of that yeah that's true uh if you go to say even in europe like the the celts a lot of the mm. uh celtic stories mm-hmm. uh which i i can't for the life of me pronounce properly but they're all about, like, the gods and the children of the gods and, like, these epic heroes that, mm-hmm. that they're supposedly, like, human, but they're just so awesomely human that, yeah, they, they, they reach superheroic proportion.
1: Right. I guess my point would be that I kind of think that there may be, at least, if we want to be picky about it, three levels. Like, there's low fantasy, which <laughs> I agree with, high fantasy, and very high fantasy, which is the <laughs> god level stuff, which I think is really a different category. But
0: that's my personal take. Yeah. I don't, like I say, I, I don't entirely think you need that new category, mm-hmm. but I do totally agree with your reasoning. And this is, like I say, why, again, I try not to get too work. The definitions are good to start the debate. Right. Okay. That's true. And then, cause yeah, you're totally right. And, and cause that idea, what you're getting at comes back mm-hmm. in the fifth. In a weird way in the fifth kind of uh fantasy. Uh-oh.
1: Revenge of the fifth. Okay. So um, <laughs> so okay, so we've covered three then. So historical,
0: yep. uh high, and low. Let's move on then. Uh the next one I would say is and we've already dealt with this, is mm-hmm. I you can call it apocalyptic and or sci fi. Okay. Or I guess science fantasy is one of the things. So how do you define this? Uh because we've we talked about um in the apocalyptic RPG thing, how Mm-hmm. Your original Apocalypse role-playing games like Gameworld, World, Metamorphosis Alpha... Gameworld World is Dungeons and Dragons after World War III. Mm-hmm. Metamorphosis Alpha is Dungeons and Dragons on a spaceship. Right. At their core. And they use a lot of the fantasy tropes and they use a lot of the fantasy ideas. And for gaming, a lot of the fantasy gaming notions that D&D originated. Mm-hmm. And they sort of become their own thing. You can't exactly call them science fiction fiction proper no and i, I know agree. i know people be like no nah, it's like hard and soft and but I, I, I don't care shut up it's it becomes its mm-hmm. own thing because again it's it, you loop back around where the technology becomes the magic instead of magic being the technology right and okay. you you get things like um nanites mm-hmm. were a descriptor that came out like in the 90s nanotechnology was the answer to everything yep But you could look at older stuff from like the sixties or seventies and you could say nanotechnology explained a lot of things that happened, like self-repairing robots and and things like that, Mm -hmm. even if it was never mentioned at that time, because it's filling that magical niche. Right. It's it, the technology become, because magic is the one thing, it's the caveat that you can add to any of these categories. Right. Do you have a lot of it or a little of it? And what magic typically is, it's a force that people can control, mm-hmm. but they never totally understand. Okay. So the key is that they don't understand it. Not completely. And that's and that's why you'll get things like um, there can always be some weird effect. Now, I've seen people piss and moan that that's why science fiction is superior to fantasy because it's got like rules that are solid and are adhered to right up until they aren't see nanotechnology Mm. but a good fantasy story takes that into account right that there's always something to the magic that it's beyond us it's our technology we can control in in sci-fi Right. Even if it's like a self-aware Dyson sphere that, that we, we built, we, we still have some kind of control or relatability to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas magic, there's always going to be... it. It's a power we draw from some mysterious source, and we may know the principles of drawing that power, but not mm-hmm. fully understand the source. At what point, then, does magic just turn into another form of technology? It, again, I would say this is a good reason why it pays to not get hung up on it because mm-hmm. it can go back and forth either way mm-hmm. and it can go back and forth in the same setting. It can go my, my, my definition. Right. That I use. And it's easy. It's like I said, it's just magic is something that we control, but don't necessarily fully understand. Right. And a lot of technology can broach that because there's all kind like you get into that, let's say with superhero stuff. Mm hmm that we've discussed how technology in a superhero setting is weird because a lot of it's unique mm-hmm. and a lot of it is because there's some kind of accident that the, the hero builds the one super suit, but can't figure out how to build more. Cause you know, that was when the lightning bolt came through the window and hit chemical X and that mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And For then some excuse why they don't just build an army of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it broaches that thing is it magic or not? Well, technically it is, but it's painted with the science fiction brush. Right. So it's not proper fantasy, but it's not proper sci-fi, hence superhero. Hmm. Okay. I would, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think
1: most superpowers fall under that category. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One form or another. They're ultimately usually magic spells under
0: one form or another. So that's for your fantasy setting. There's going to be magic. Right. And it's a, a question of, is there a lot of it or is there a little of it? And then that's that you can apply that to any of the categories. Right. And so I assume
1: then you would consider star Wars to be science fantasy. It would come under this category as well.
0: No, star Wars is science fiction. Uh, Mind blown. Okay. Why? (laughs) Well, just because everybody says it, but there's the force there is, but the force is kind of painted as theology okay and i think theology it's it's a separate thing story-wise from magic
1: because magic settings have clerics all the time who are doing magic stuff there have been whole
0: novels written about cleric people doing magic stuff witch doctors shamans that's also theology it is, but then again, there's also going to be like the wizard that memorizes the formula and stuff in there somewhere. Not, not always. Not, not always. always.
1: You could do you could do stuff. About, you could do a fantasy novel about clerics, and it would still be fantasy. Yeah, you can. But again, it's how it's presented. How can I explain this? I, I was going to say because I'm sorry, dude. I can't agree at all. Like oh, the, I can, oh, the, actually, the way the force is presented in Star Wars is 110 percent magic. It's no, not, it's,
0: Actually, I can I can make us both sad and win the argument. Okay, go for it. No, it's totally science fiction, because it's midichlorians. Uh, and they form a psionic network with each other, and that's how they... That, that idea of it binds us. It's just the chlorian psionic network.
1: Uh,
0: I win and feel dead inside.
1: I do, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, pre chlorian Star Wars... <laughs> In the the original trilogy, it is magic. It it is. And again, this is, like I say, the idea of not getting super hung up on the the, the definitions. Because it is, um, it's kind of a side thing. Mm -hmm. And you could call it science fantasy. I consider it science fiction because the focus is mostly on the spaceships. That's an interesting point. Okay. And like I said, and, and that goes with, remember what I said, the other spaceship? It's a uh, science fiction. Is there a wizard? Oh, ah, there you go. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's why I say I don't get too worried about. But yeah, I think you can go either way. Theology, I think, is always different. hmm Because again, magic is always an absolute. Right. And theology always, almost always, has a weird veneer to it that you don't know if it's an absolute or not. It depends that, on the setting and the god we're talking about. Yeah, and that's why I think it kinda it can bridge that gap depending on how you present it. Because okay. if you have it like say the force, mm-hmm. you can make that argument that it's it's just this is how they explain psionics. Okay. Yeah, you could. And, and I've sci- seen that done. Mm-hmm. And psionics, because again, it has it's it has not really it's not technology, but it comes from like the kind of organized thinking that leads to technology. So generally we can control it Mm -hmm. to some degree. It can be like, it's, it's, it's magic dressed up as science fiction, but it ultimately is. Right. But again, if you dress it up like that, I think it leans more that way. And if you disagree, it's fine. It doesn't make a huge diff, Mm -hmm. but there's that like vagueness about it. Right. And that's where like the theology comes in that the philosophy behind it is, is, is it, like really this mythical force or is it just what we're calling a manifestation of mind power
1: okay but one could argue that in many fantasy settings that's all the um that's all quote unquote magic is like in most asian like wuxia stuff and that that's all it is there too i mean that's where the force comes from right yeah he's, he's he's borrowing it from taoism and the whole you know you're taking control over the chi energies that run through all things in the universe including your body so you control the chi in your body to do magical effects and things like that to jump over stuff and to run on walls and stuff whatever and heal yourself meanwhile you can also combine your chi with the energies around you the natural energies to like cast a like fireball or something
0: no that's that's all real ninjas can do that
1: well, yeah, of course, but besides that, I mean, but that's, you know, that's where the force comes from really. It's just Luke, George Lucas borrowing like, you know, Asian style uh, magic is really what it is.
0: Yep. And I think that's again where you, uh, when you get to, uh, this becomes an issue with historical fantasy mm. that, and this is where I think the idea of theology being something a little different mm-hmm. comes from because religions are generally, con- they're real whether or not you believe in, in the theology or not, or if there's a higher power or not. Okay. This religion exists. Mm-hmm. And this is where I said you can do like a historical fantasy where if you have magic
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it, it comes from the gods, that it's it's this religion, it's the, the, the standard fantasy cleric.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's all kinds of ways of presenting that, even if it's real. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes up into the idea of how do you want to present... The, the religions of the setting, right? And because if you're doing a historical one and they're real religions, mm-hmm. there's a lot. I don't want to say baggage, but baggage that that's connected to that. That's true. Because again, this is something that's considered real. Like, so there are Taoists.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, if and exist. There's lots of them.
0: Yeah, and and so that that's a thing, and that's a, a philosophy, and that has weight because there's people that that believe in that. Right. Try as, like, fans might, there are no Jedi. It breaks
1: my heart, but I'll admit there are no Jedi, except in Australia where you can put it on the census if you want. Oh, you can put whatever there.
0: you want on the census. It doesn't mean it's going to get, like, counted.
1: <laughs> it, well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the UK has that, too. It's actually, you can write in Jedi if you want. It's yeah, because like,
0: okay. most countries for religion and the census, they have other and a blank. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's true. Well, technically, in a legal perspective, they are Jedi. They just have no magic powers. That we know of. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, This is where you and I, would I say, again, differ a tiny bit. I would Mm -hmm. say that it depends on what role uh the religion and theology that plays in the story right especially when we're dealing with fantasy settings and you know made up religions and such if the religion you know whatever the cleric is just there to cast healing spells and you know mumble some pious words every now and then and preach about you know, love your brother or whatever or whatever mm-hmm. um or kill everything if they're a cleric of a evil god um then i would argue that that's really just a, you know a fancy magic user they're not really acting as a, a element of the religion not truly in the story now but if the religion aspect the social aspect of the religion and the cultural aspect does play a role in the story and mm-hmm. does play a major role in the setting at that point i think it is different i would agree yeah. with you on that i think that it is one of those things where it depends on how it's presented and what its role is in the story Okay, so sometimes I think theology can be different, but I don't think it always is. Sometimes I think it's just another word for magic user.
0: They just call them clerics instead. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what I would say the 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 difference is mm-hmm. uh, the idea of magic. Right. Like I said, we don't generally understand what it is. We We can manipulate it, but there's always that sense of mystery.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely.
0: Whereas theology, there's always like a God or a principle. So the cleric like, you know, makes an inclination to Pelor and Pelor grants him the power whereas like the wizard uses signs and gestures to gather ambient energy from wherever and and fire that off as a spell.
1: Yeah, well Dr. Strange is summoning the hoary hosts of Hagoth and everything else. I mean, yeah. he's calling on what are supposed to be gods. Like so by your definition
0: that would technically make him a cleric, not a uh, magic user. Yep. And it kind of broaches another one of the weird problems you get with like fantasy theology Mm -hmm. is if the gods are tangible entities. They sometimes are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it technically still fantasy or have you moved into something different because they're not a divine principle? They're just an all like more powerful being. And then that's runs you into Star Trek territory.
1: Very quickly. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to start proving to the gods what love is and by kissing Abraham Lincoln <laughs> yeah. and everything else. I know. Uh, we haven't gotten to make that joke in a while. No, we um, haven't.
0: <laughs> you're welcome, Jack.
1: Sure we, we, yeah, we we made that joke, I'm sure, in a couple early episodes, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I, I vaguely remember. Anyway, there we go. Flashback. All right. So um, – That's true, although it's perfectly reasonable. I mean, even in Christian theology and many other religions have the idea of, you know, the God manifested as flesh. You know, there's a great omnipotent being, but either sends down one of its uh, children or a manifestation of itself or whatever to basically, you know, communicate, interact with mankind. I mean, so you can have a God uh, entity that actually interacts with the people, but still have an actual God there.
0: You can, but it's not the same as, like, having the prime divine deity show up in, like, your living room and say, hi, how you doing? Well, that's true. Because Um, if if that happens, now
1: faith is useless. That's true. You don't have faith anymore because you literally know it to be true. Yeah, now it's science and religion falls apart. That's one way to look at it because now it's just another king. It's just another social or spiritual level and you have actual proof it exists. You don't need faith. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, unless, as Terry Pratchett would probably point out, those gods do need your faith actually to exist. That they're they're existing based on your faith. Yep, that's
0: that's how it usually is. Uh, when you look at a uh, a lot of like, well, okay, I'll take us to the fifth category. Uh oh, which I would say is urban fantasy. Okay, which but is I thought that was you. know, Hot kick-ass babes and werewolves. Yeah, it kind of is. What you tend to see Mm -hmm. more and more nowadays, in the last, I'd say like 20 years, is Mm -hmm. that you come back around where you take all of the the tropes of fantasy Mm -hmm. and you move them into the modern world. Yes, yeah, that would be urban fantasy, definitely. And I think that's why that becomes its own thing, because one of the things that you'll see to explain, okay, why are all the ancient gods like, active now Mm -hmm. is because that that principle this is how you can fudge it for science fiction too that they need followers because it's somehow that devotion that powers them and the more followers the more powerful they are Mm. yeah that makes sense there was a really really good aldebrand snaz story about that okay i have no idea who that is but you can tell me well the man with the double-decker dome it's from a 2000 a.d Okay. The British comic magazine. He's this like genius character, but his plans always go awry. Okay. And he ends up trapped in this interdimensional void at one point where he meets the ancient gods. Mm-hmm. And he gets this brilliant idea that he can rebrand them. Okay. So they help use what little power they have left to bring him back to like the modern day. And he rebrands them to get them new followers. Mm-hmm. So Apollo becomes like the God of like disco. And okay. the one I remember was Mars Becomes the God of Pinball Machines. Because this is an right. old story. This is kind of like yeah. early, like 1980s. So okay. Yeah, late 70s, early 80s. So video right, games, yeah, obviously, were, but video games too. And then it gets out of hand because the gods bring back their old ways. And there's a scene where um a bunch of Mars' followers are sacrificing a dude so they can get like a free play. And there's this speech, O Mars, of God of the blinking lights and flashing bumpers. Grant us a free play that we may continue on in your glories. They're m- murdering this guy.
1: Okay. So,
0: so that, again, that's that's the uh, the way that you can kind of mm-hmm. apply that no- notion to that idea of, like, theology. Right. And bring it to, like, a modern setting. And, and again, you get that, like, the urban fantasy or... Mm-hmm. And then a lot of urban fantasy to um, to deal with the magic thing. Mm-hmm. There'll be some kind of convergence that happens.
2: That these... brings...
1: yeah the shadow run thing basically yeah. where some great event the planets align or the Aztec calendar runs out of numbers or whatever mm-hmm. and we enter a new age where suddenly magic works again yeah and suddenly science stops working and magic appears and we all end up with these giant pictures on our chests that we can pull stuff out of and pull weapons
0: from and everything or however, because I think in some ways... That was a Visionaries reference, folks. (laughs) Wasn't Visionaries post-apocalypse, though?
1: No, no, that was the whole point, was Magic came back to their setting. They were actually a high-tech setting. And Magic came back, and suddenly... They, as I just said, they suddenly all their technology stopped working. But they, but Merlin suddenly popped up and said, "Yes, yeah, you're the you're, you're the Knights of the Magical Realm, visionaries, and you, uh, <laughs> and they, but they all had these like images on their chest, and they could actually reach into their chest or something and cause pull out magic weapons from their image on their chest. Yeah, or summon because they had powers. Yeah, they had, yeah, exactly. And they sometimes someone could summon vehicles and other stuff. Again, they all based on these like big." images on their holographic images on their chest mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the deal with the toys yeah and so yeah anyway sorry sorry to... <laughs> Anyway, but again science fantasy there we go mm-hmm. all right so yes sometimes that happens where yeah in a lot of urban fantasy usually magic has come back under whatever circumstance now the trick of course with urban fantasy is unlike the visionaries it coexists with technology like that's one of the requirements pretty much for urban fantasy i think is that Te- you still have modern
0: technology. You just have magic as well. Yeah, usually. Because um, I've seen two sideways permutations on that. Oh, okay. Because uh, one that kind of happened. I don't know if the mage role-playing game was responsible for it or not. Okay. But the idea in mage that technology is just another kind of magic. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's that one. Yeah. And then you get the idea because I think um, urban fantasy broaches... A certain amount of uh, steampunk stuff. Yes, it does. Because there's there's a lot of steampunk that that they go with the mad scientist angle, and then that sort of starts approaching this this like the more fantasy oriented idea.
1: Definitely, and some steampunk does actually even have magic in it as well. Yeah, that's not uncommon. Definitely, uh, the mage one's interesting. Uh, probably for those who aren't familiar with it, basically in mage um, technology works because everyone has agreed. That it works. Everyone yeah. believes technology works, so therefore it does. Yep. But it's actually just another form of magic, and it's kind of uh, overwritten the other forms of magic, which are making efforts to come back. Which is
0: the whole deal with Mage. Yeah, because what what happens in in the original Mage, mm-hmm. anyway, the first the first uh, uh, first and second edition, I guess. Yep. Was that a uh, reality role playing game? By the way, folks. Just, yeah. just in case you're wondering, not
1: the uh, comic by uh, what's his name. Oh, uh oh! They used to advertise it for Matt my something. first comics. I can't remember. Yeah, that. Matt something. Okay, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. Okay, sorry. Yeah, continue.
0: But it was it was the idea that reality is consensual, mm-hmm. that things work because people believe they work, mm-hmm. and what's happened is during um like the the Renaissance, you had the development of who became the technol the technocracy later right. on, mm-hmm. who are like your science and technology types. And what they've done is there's some kind of big disaster coming. Mm -hmm. And their belief was that the only way to save humanity was to lock down magic, was to to lock reality into uh, one absolute paradigm. Mm -hmm. And that's what technology was because technology is magic that normal people can understand. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant, actually. mm -hmm. That's a great idea. It really is. And like I say, I, I've seen a whole pile of other stories that kind of take that route. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Mage was the first one that did that or if there was some like novel or something that did, but Mage was the first time I can remember seeing that idea. Right, yeah. And it's
1: brilliant. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I thought it was worth explaining to the audience and pointing that out, because I consider that, even though I've never actually played, I don't think, the Mage role-playing game, I consider that still one of the most fascinating urban fantasy settings for a role-playing game I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because of, uh, just to continue this, of course, in the actual setting, um, if you're a mage and you're trying to do uh, magical effects, how much your effects vary from the accepted reality determines how difficult it is to do that thing. Yeah. And so the players have to think about all these creative ways to work within reality to make their magic appear not to be magic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and the other caveat to that in the game is that, um, it, the, the difficulty of pulling that off, it depends if there's like active minds, i.e. people witnessing what you're doing, Mm -hmm. that makes it easier or more difficult because depending on the setting Mm -hmm. and what the people there believe, like if, um, I want to do a healing spell Mm -hmm. and we're in the middle of an evangelical revival. That idea of laying of hands is part of that, that theology. Right. So if my character is professing to be like, you know, the uh, minister and does this in front of all of those people, it's actually a lot easier because they believe it can happen. Right. Yeah. If I'm in the middle of an operating room and I try pulling that because the chances are everybody watching doesn't think that that's how you fix like a heart attack. It makes it a lot harder, and if I fail the roll, the results that affect me are a lot worse.
1: There's an interesting question, then. In the mage setting,
0: why don't all the mages just pretend to be like priests and uh, thuns and stuff? Because what ends up happening is they all believe different things. Right. And a lot of them hate each other. Of course they do. Because you do have the predominantly like uh, Western theology, which is the Celestial Chorus. Mm-hmm who would be like your Christians and that kind of thing. Right. But you also have the Akashic Brotherhood, who are like your like Eastern religions, like your Buddhists and your Taoists. Right. And what ends up happening is, over the centuries, as these different groups have tried to, to gain dominance, they end up among the masses, creating all these different conflicts in that, because people will say, no, this guy's right, you're full of shit. No, this guy's right, you're totally wrong. And then that's mm-hmm. why you have all these different groups. Right, yeah. And then new things come out. So like, there's two groups that splintered off of the technocracy, right? And that was the uh, the uh, Sons of Ether, mm-hmm. who are your steampunk mad scientist guys, right? Who have all kinds of crazy theories. But because people think it's cool, it gives them it gives them a certain measure of belief, right? And then you had the Virtual Adepts. Who it's the Matrix. The Matrix is basically a rip off of the Virtual Adepts. Right. That they see reality as essentially a giant computer program, and they can hack reality itself. Right. And, of course, they think those stodgy old dudes that believe in, like, a god or meditation are all full of shit, too. Because, obviously, my powers work, so that must be how it really is.
1: Right. Well, it's a world of darkness setting. There has to be many different factions, and they all have to hate each other. That's yep. every world of darkness
0: setting. Yep, but the idea in Mage is that as your character advances... Mm-hmm. And they gain more, more. Uh, basically, wisdom is is mm-hmm. what what you're gaining. They more and more don't have to deal with any of the trappings of of their own belief because the idea is they're starting to realize that no, it, it reality is something totally different. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're capable of. Uh, doing more complex and powerful spells in a way as they go up in level, so to speak, because they're understanding more and
0: more about the true nature of reality. Yeah. And eventually you get to a point where like, if um, Mm -hmm. say I'm, I'm a son of ether and forces Mm -hmm. and prime are two of the, the spheres, the components that make up reality. Right. So forces is energy and prime is like the primordial energy of the universe. Mm -hmm. When I start out, I may see that as electricity. Right. So I use electricity to develop my devices. I gain a little more enlightenment. I realize that electricity is just a manifestation of the unified field theory. Mm-hmm. And I can build my devices that they just gather ambient energy from like the universe, like around me. Mm-hmm. It may be cosmic rays. It may be, be life energy. There's all kinds of different ways you look at, it, but then I start realizing that there's some higher form that el- electricity is just a part of.
1: Right. So basically, when you first start out, you got to have batteries for everything and plug it in. Yeah. So once you get high enough levels, you're like, I can tap into the unified field theory, and suddenly everything doesn't need batteries anymore. But you can still produce the same effects.
0: Yeah, and then if my 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 level gets high enough through playing. playing. I don't even need that because I realize that energy is just the myth. Matter and energy are all the same thing. And now I don't need to power anything. I build at all. Right.
1: Yeah. You don't need to build anything at that point, do you? You basically are still likely to, uh,
0: I mean, you could just cast spells at that point. You're free of it. Aren't you? It depends because what ends up happening, two things in mage, mm. what ends up happening is I may have that understanding of prime and energy and mm. forces, but I may not have that under level of understanding for life mm-hmm. or uh, matter. Okay. So the idea is I still need to say, like, build my clone cyborg attack dog. Right. I realize it doesn't need batteries now, but I still think but, – but living matter is some kind of other sort of mm-hmm. thing that it's its its own thing. It it's, It combines – the ambient matter and energy of the universe in a living being. And that's a totally mm-hmm. something different happens. And I have to kind of go through that progression specifically for those. Right. Okay. I can see how that could work. But that was one of the things that like, cause we played a lot of mage. Right. And it was one of the things that a lot of gamers had problems with mm-hmm. because gamers like a concrete rule, a concrete mm-hmm. mechanic. Right. And it was there, but it took into account that idea of you had to think like your character to, to quote-unquote win at mage. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you were, And that's difficult for a lot of players. Yeah, because the mechanics were the same. And mm-hmm. people would be like, well, I've got like Forces 3 and Prime 1 and Life 2. How come I can't just like, you know, touch that guy and like knock him out with like a taser zap? Mm-hmm. And it would be Well, because you're a member of the Celestial Chorus and everything is God's will. Right. So you have to come up with some kind of way to put it into that template. And the numbers, the mechanics and all of that were all exactly the same, but how the player presented it to the Game Master really affected outcome. And a lot of people had difficulty Mm. wrapping their head around that. Hmm. Do you think that's
1: why Mage wasn't one of the most popular of the White Wolf games back in the nineties? It
0: was. It was pretty. It wasn't. I think Vampire was more popular because Anne Rice. Everybody knew the template. Werewolf was also more popular than Mage was. It was, but Werewolf is basically ah, attack. So that's pretty easy to comprehend. Yeah, that's too. pretty straightforward. Mage got I mean, a little weird. Wraith. I don't think they even kind of had a handle on. Yeah, nobody understood Wraith. And then Changeling was, was it was similar to mage, but comedy, what? Uh, Fuck this. I'm going to go play werewolf and eat guys, you know? Well, exactly.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gamers want their power fantasy. They don't want comedy. Mm-hmm. Usually. We we did the comedy RPG one. They do want it sometimes, but as I said back in that episode, I don't think they want large doses of it. I think most gamers would just rather have the natural kind of comedy that happens during a normal Action-oriented game occasionally, the yeah. witty lines and that kind of stuff. They don't generally want a
0: whole like campaign of comedy. Maybe a maybe a one session, but not more than that. Well, not just that, but there's also the idea that comedy's tough. And and this was it is when you got to Mage is A good example of of drama's tough too, mm-hmm. because to be a player to participate the game, you had to have kind of a higher level of 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 writer ability than a lot mm-hmm. of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, see that. like D and D is pretty much, it's all straightforward. It's mm-hmm. all given to you. If you're not like a fantastic writer or you're not like terrifically inventive at making up characters, the mechanics are there enough that they can kind of help you along. Mm-hmm. But when you get into like, like mage, when you get into like some of the more like story oriented games that are out now, Mm -hmm. It puts a lot more onus on the players themselves, and I think that's something that people either have to get used to, or it might not be something they want. They want something a little more traditional game, where this is my goal, this is how I achieve it, not we sit around making funny voices, you know.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: No, I can totally see that, Mm -hmm. yeah um
1: anyway so let's continue on then okay so i think we've now got your five different kinds of fantasy uh with the historical high low science fantasy and urban fantasy Yep. um was there anything else
0: you want to add about these different types of fantasy Nah, i think like i say i think those are broad enough that they kind of give you a jumping off point for pretty much everything i would agree yeah i think we
1: can put almost all fantasy into one of these categories then Mm -hmm. so i thought next why don't we talk about well I think our audience already understands and knows d and D. I don't think we really have to go too much into depth about D&D style fantasy. <laughs> I mean, it's become the generic default template basically for fantasy. Yeah. I mean, there's high fantasy and low fantasy versions of the D&D token stuff. I mean, the low fantasy, for example, you'll get like Game of Thrones, for example, which yeah. for the most part is low fantasy, or at least correct, it kind of starts low, but then amps up as it goes. Yeah. Um by this point at least in the TV series and I think the books as well it's it's pretty much it's almost high fantasy at this point. But that's the whole point is the magic is coming back to the world, right? Right. And um but still even though it doesn't have normal dwarves and elves and all that stuff, I would still consider it def- it's become it's become high fantasy anyway. We'll go with that. Mm. Um but there are definitely settings that are not and i mean D is not the only form of fantasy out there i mean there was once upon a time that was very popular what what did they call the john carter style fantasy um that was sword and laser was it no oh, there was some, something like yeah something like that something because at one point there was a very popular in the early 20th century uh there was a version of fantasy and john carter is a perfect example of that Mm -hmm. where you basically went to another planet and you explored the heck out of it or got involved with stuff on that in that world it's almost like a kind of portal fantasy where the man no person goes to that place Mm -hmm. but it's not especially because it predates it by quite a bit it's not what we would consider normal fantasy like there's actual original creatures there and races and stuff i mean Barsoom, the version of Mars and John Carter, has like seven or eight different kinds of different colored aliens and uh, races. Yeah. Some of them have four arms and some of them are like centaurs and some of them like have ten breasts and it's all weird stuff. And then, it's, um, and then like there's weird technologies. And that was a very popular kind of fantasy and it's not post-apocalyptic. It's it's not really science fiction either. It truly is a form of fantasy, I'd
0: argue. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what you get if you squash together like uh, science fantasy historical and urban kind of yeah Yeah, you kind of end up with it with that sort of thing so i if if we had to actually pick a category
1: i'd say probably it's science fantasy basically yeah. uh, because usually there is some element of science although i don't think john carter had much in the way of science in barsoom i don't think it had much they, it had
0: maybe a little bit yeah they they did but they didn't because it was all like retro tech right but it was weird so they had like well, we didn't have like motors on our boats, but they have like boats that hover and things like that. Mm. That it's 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 a, it's retro technology, but because of the circumstances, they could do stuff we couldn't. Right.
1: Okay. And I would assume then Flash Gordon also would fit under this category because it's pretty
0: much the same kind of thing as John Carter, right? It's it's kind of the next step, but again, I would say uh, Flash Gordon is science fiction. Because it it goes with with kind of more your idea that it's a future that didn't happen.
1: Not exactly. I mean, he goes to another planet that had, they have like what is it? Rabid vampire space dwarves and things like yeah. That. Like it's it's pretty <laughs> out
0: there. It really yeah. is, and it kind of um, well, of course, falls into the uh, same idea as Star Wars, right? But it's that it it's it's I guess you'd say it's it's a. Uh, a was now that never did not didn't won't happen. Um. <laughs> well, I
1: will. And Ming does have magic in Splash uh, Gordon. He does. He does like weird mystical stuff. Yeah.
0: Um. But it's got spaceships, so it's science fiction. Okay. Well, we <laughs> want to go with that. go with that definition, I suppose. Because, um, again, like you're right. That could definitely be like straight up fantasy. Because it definitely mm-hmm. comes from from that whole fantasy that John Carter line of thinking. Right. And and like I say, this is why it's, it's not necessarily good to worry about the, the specifics of the nomenclature. Right. But I do think, yeah, you do definitely have a case that Flash Gordon, I think in a lot of ways, it's uh, like an early superhero story. Kind
1: of. I generally think of superhero stories as taking place on our world. Like they're, part of our society and such and they're putting on their masks to go out and fight crime i mean i know that's not always except green lantern obviously people still mm-hmm. think of green lantern is a superhero but he goes off into space same with the legion of superheroes i realize that mm-hmm. but i often consider those more science fiction stories than superhero stories but that's that's my personal opinion i
0: know i'm not everyone agrees on that yeah because because it's it's that idea of uh like we said between fantasy and science fiction, you tend to get that superhero thing, right? And like we said, the superhero thing tends to be about the the extreme action, the extreme deeds. Mm, true, and that's kind of where like like the the Flash Gordon thing, all of the uh, the pulp sci fi heroes, because the superheroes came out of that pulp tradition.
1: Yes, they did, yep. and
0: and that's why I think like say something like Flash Gordon, especially if you're going back to the the actual original ones. Mm they're so hard to catalog nowadays because they sit at one of those points where something became something else. Right. That they were a new type of, of space opera science fiction that comes out of this fantasy pulp idea. And, and it kind of becomes, it starts its own thing because we can look at Mm -hmm. a whole load of later stories. Again, star Wars, especially that are flash Gordon esque. Right, yeah. that it really starts something all anew. But if you want to trace the genealogy, yeah, it goes back to that John Carter, like like um, wanderer in a lost land kind of idea, mm-hmm. and then that comes kind of from the old like like fantasy stories. And yeah, there's a whole but I oh, think yeah,
1: cool. yeah, right. um, and we can go back way farther than that. But uh, okay, mm-hmm. well, why don't we take things in a slightly different direction then? um so do you have some favorite like fantasy stories or games do we do you want to discuss games or do you want to just talk about fantasy the genre in general
0: i think they kind of tie in like i like the idea of like discussing say role-playing games because a game gives you like more tangible things because it has to have rules and a definite setting
1: Uh, that's true things are very clear in a game but i can think of a few non- non-game settings that work too but okay let's Mm -hmm. let's work with game settings for now okay so we can start there and then see where it goes exactly all right so do you have any besides mage obviously do you have any other favorite fantasy game settings
0: i have a little list here surprise (laughs) um some of them are 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 sort of odd Mm -hmm. i'll i'll get the obvious one out of the way right away right warhammer why warhammer Warhammer, for us around here, was kind of I guess the first low fantasy role playing game we'd ever uh we'd ever played mhm because again we it's very visceral, it's very i want to say down to earth and 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 dirty 'cause that's the game where like you don't pick your starting occupation, you roll, and guys will be like, huh, "I'm a rat catcher, you know, yeah yeah so and and it was it was that idea that it was and it was again. It's a British game and it it the background, the setting, the feel corresponds a lot more solidly to historic medieval Europe. Hmm. Okay. And people don't uh, realize it's a science fiction game. Wait, it's a science fiction game? Technically, yes. Why? Warhara has the idea of chaos. Mm-hmm. And chaos is evil and it makes you into a mutant, and there are gods of chaos. Right. Well, people don't realize, I don't know if this is still canon, because Warhammer's gone through like a bajillion different versions over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. But the Warhammer fantasy world, at each Mm -hmm. of the poles, is a warp gate. Right. That the ancient Slon, who were these super advanced beings that were frogs, um, Mm -hmm. they could use warp gates to travel through space. Right. That they were like uh, like created wormholes. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you've played forty thousand, we're here forty thousand. Warp space was psycho-reactive, right? That it would absorb the thoughts and ideas of 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 sentient beings, and they would actually affect the fabric of warp space. Mm-hmm. And over the the centuries, they absorb. And this is where like the chaos gods come from. Mm-hmm. Like corn is the physical manifestation of hate and anger. Right. You know, Ash is like the is is like selfishness and depravity. Um, there, there's, there's a bunch, uh, a different. Those are the, the, the big ones that Reno's. Nurgle is, is kind of like a misplaced loyalty, I guess. Right. Uh, Zeench is like the, the god of secrets, and, and is about, you know, like the things we keep to ourselves and keep hidden and dark, hidden truths and that. Mm-hmm. And the chaos gods happen just because of all of these thoughts, these universal ideas coalesce once the warp was, was open by the Slon to to the material world. Right. The Warhammer world had these two gates that broke and chaos, the warp is leaking through them and that's what that chaos energy is that makes the evil mutants and monsters and stuff. Wow, that is probably the best thought
1: through like of the D&D style fantasy settings I've ever heard or seen, mm-hmm. I have to say. It
0: really, it really it, is. It, and and it has so many like neat weird twists cuz you have this high concept that's way mm-hmm. in the background because it's all about your character starving to death in the streets of Middenheim because he can't catch enough rats to to collect his bounty and stuff like that. Right. Okay, let's see. So I should probably put
1: one forward as well. We can, we can kind, of, kind of alternate on this thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My case in fantasy, I should start. I think I might have mentioned this before, but I probably should definitely. I'm not a huge fantasy fan. Uh... I'm one of those odd people that I've always wanted to like fantasy more than I actually do. Okay. Okay? At least fantasy as it's traditionally presented. And that's... that's There's the key, actually. The the, uh, D&D-style fantasy setting, I think, is okay. I think it's, like, fine and everything, but it doesn't really... uh, How can I put this? It doesn't quite work for me, maybe because I like my stuff a little more, like, romantic, Mm -hmm. I guess, in some ways... I mean I do I've played Warhammer Fantasy and I've enjoyed it. Um I've you know played D and D and I've enjoyed it too. I mean I've had fun with it, but never it's never really, you know, s- spoken to me on a deep level. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my fantasy games that I tend to like, um maybe it's again as a setting thing, usually are the more like Asian or Asian esque fantasy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why... So, so for example, um, one fantasy setting that I'm very fond of is the Weapons of the Gods one that we've mentioned before on the uh, show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Weapons of the Gods setting, which is a Wuxia-style fantasy uh, setting, which I really enjoy the heck out of because, again, it's different. Like, it's it's more about, you know, characters that are, like, larger than life, more action-packed. You know, it, it's kind of one of those... I guess you could say it really kind of straddles the line between the superhero stuff and the fantasy stuff. Right. So if you had to ask me what kind of fantasy I like, I guess the answer would be, and this come up, came up earlier obviously, the high fantasy or maybe what I would call the very high fantasy level in some <laughs> ways. Definitely the epic fantasy. I I like all levels to one degree or another, but I just have a preference for that. So Weapons of the Gods, of course, is a game where, uh, I think it's out of print now, but you are playing different uh, types of uh wuxia type characters in other words it's chinese fantasy okay mm-hmm. it's it's epic chinese fantasy where you're playing these warriors that have like special magical techniques and everything and everybody who is a player in the setting has some kind of weird martial arts magic or you know it's magic basically or superpowers take your pick right and they can build on them and work with them and it it's um a setting that i really enjoy because again it, it it's one built around the idea of being as cool as you can possibly be <laughs> like you literally get points for being as cool as you can possibly for doing cool and interesting things. The system is literally designed to reward you for that. Mhm. And that's something that I really appreciate. Um not just because the it's not just not just cuz it's more Asian style, but also because of that that it's something where, you know, if you're play, if your character is like, you know, leaping around and bouncing off things and using the environment, you get bonuses for that. Mhm. I mean, it's encouraged in Weapons of the Gods, and that's something that I like. I like a, a one that encourages, you know, the the player to interact with their environment, and it makes the whole thing more real in some ways and more lively.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's why I would say Weapons of the Gods might be my number one fantasy role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of ties in with my with my number two, which I might as well say now as well, because they're very similar to each other, um, is Exalted. Hmm which is exalted is basically an attempt they both came out around the same time people are probably more familiar with exalted than weapons of the gods exalted is basically that kind of thing merged with western fantasy is the best way to describe it okay. it's a hybrid between the wuxia um, over the top uh action role action role playing and the western style stuff so you have characters that are more what we would understand as the western style characters but it's mixed with the wuxia action and ever action adventure style right. plus the exalted setting is actually I find it quite interesting the idea with exalted is basically that the characters are all the descendants of gods to one degree or another that's what they're called exaltants. Right. um and so you've got all these characters that have inherited some god blood and to one degree or another they're learning how to Control that god blood, depending on what you know strain of god blood they've got and how they use it, can produce all kinds of different effects mm-hmm. and so I find that a fascinating idea. I like the idea of uh, the you know the magic again is kind of explained in the setting well, it's magic' cause, you know there are gods and such, but most of the old gods were killed. the actual gods, I think in exalted are mostly gone, but their descendants are still around, and they've mixed with humans and such, and so that's where all these while these people can like you know. Run on rooftops and uh, jump, you know, jump for fifty meters and things like that. It's because they've got god blood in them, and so it allows for these larger than life um, Japanese high Asian style battles that, uh, again, you'll see in like Chinese movies and such, which are very lively and very interesting. And
0: again, I'm a little more super heroic. So yeah, you know, that's what works for me. Okay, because yeah, Exalted is it's kind of covers a, a bunch of different things. Because if anybody's never seen it, the idea is that. There were originally three groups of gods that people are aware mm-hmm. of because they add more later on. Yep, yep, yep. And two of those groups, the the one group, the 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 dragon blood, mm-hmm. teamed up with who are the brainiacs, the guys that teamed up with them.
1: Because well, there's the solar exalts, there's the dragon blood, and there's the like there's the a dragon blood's the earth one. Yeah, they're basically the,
0: yeah so. Oh, what do they call them? Ah, uh, I'm blanking on it. Yeah, look. me too. Because what the, what the story was is the Solars were in control. And right. the dragons overthrew them because they thought the Solars were assholes. And they kind of were. Yeah. And the other guys, the, the Brainiac guys, who I can't remember, kind of helped the dragons. They have their own agenda. but they helped. Are you talking about the Lunar Exalted? Yeah, that's them. Yep. That they helped out and they killed off the Solar. But what's been happening is there's been solar exalted the people with with their their powers mm-hmm. that are starting to pop up in the kingdom and nobody's exactly sure why right yeah
1: yep definitely
0: and then when it goes on you find out there were other types because there were the abyssals Yep.
1: Yeah, there's the abyssals there's a side reel the, there's
0: actually the auto chithonians
1: um, yep yep which is the alchemo exalted and there's also the inferno exalted which yeah. is like the demon guys and there's some other ones too yeah and um, so, yeah, the exalted and the exalted setting itself, I always found was interesting. They say that the world itself is supposed to be like huge. It's like someone basically built a planet on top of like a Jupiter-sized world. Mm-hmm. Like the world is supposed to be so big that you can have whole massive epic campaigns and never influence like the stuff going on in the other parts of the <laughs> world at all. That that was they kind of did that on purpose. But the setting is massive yeah and so the idea being you can do anything with it really that almost any kind of story could be happening somewhere in this massive setting—is the idea
0: and it also may or may not tie into the world of darkness right i've heard that yeah because it might be the past of the world of darkness or it might be the future because there's a lot of ideas that tie in Mm, that doesn't surprise me well again it's
1: another white wolf game yeah 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 and it was it it was their attempt to kind of merge you know the anime that was popular in the late 90s early 2000s uh some like ninja scroll and um some of the other you know high high level anime stuff that was popular with fantasy and uh you know uh the monkey king and all this other you know they were it was kind of bring all these different elements together to a really high action-packed godlike fantasy setting and It's a heck of a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It really is. I I mean, Exalted is one one of my, yeah, I would say favorite
0: fantasy settings. Yeah, because I got to go to, you mentioned uh, Weapons of the Gods. Yep. That's probably the most philosophical role-playing game ever written. I've never heard it described that way, but okay. Well, because when you make your character, you're not just like, Mm -hmm. I pick these powers that. You're picking your characters like philosophy and worldview. Mm, true, and that all like ties in with how the game plays. And there's these huge chapters because the 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 basic rulebook is gigantic. It's like a phone book, yeah, yeah, you, a hardcover phone book. You squash a yep. bug with that; it stays squashed. Um, <laughs> yep, even a cockroach. Yep. Yeah, and there's like chapters about philosophy and 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 beliefs, and it all ties into the game. And it's 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 yeah, it's kind of it's it's one of those things that would take a little bit to get into. But it would be totally worth it because it is really kind of its own unique sort of
1: game. It is. It absolutely is. And that's one of the reasons I love it. And yes, I would agree with you. It is one of those games that I think... Well, I would say that is would require a little bit of extra work to get into because it's so, it's so different. But And I've mentioned this before on the show, actually. I'm not even sure if it's available anymore because Weapons of the Gods is out of print as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the first adventure that comes with it which I'm now breaking on the description of. i mentioned the show before. It's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the best tutorial-style adventures that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is. The, the, the... Oh, it's not Interesting Times. Crap, what's the first... Oh, what's the first one called? Okay, I'll have to look it up. Oh. Hold on a sec. Because the it is amazing it really is i highly 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 recommend it can't can't recommend it enough um now of course i'm totally biased because i you know <laughs> love the uh, whole asian um martial arts philosophies and all that stuff but um mm-hmm. auspicious beginnings oh, there it is yeah it's auspicious beginnings okay i've got a, i've got a pdf copy here um and it's very well done it really it kind of it it goes several rounds and what's happening is each round teaches you a different thing about your powers because you're what you're basically doing is you're participating in a kind of martial arts uh tournament mm-hmm. to start that's how you start your players in a martial arts tournament and you're going through different rounds and each round each of the tasks you have to do now it's not fighting tournament not at first mm-hmm. it you have to do these tasks and they all basically are teaching you how to do use the character's abilities and how they all how it all comes together and uh yep can't uh can't recommend it enough
2: Hmm.
1: um definitely weapons of the gods is yeah so weapons of the gods is probably my favorite you're as i said you'll find that my fantasy tastes tend to actually lean towards the asian style stuff or the higher level fantasy i mean i i can i do appreciate uh the warhammer fantasy i played it enjoyed it yeah that would that had some good times with it but it's not my personal favorite
2: Hmm.
1: okay so what's another favorite fantasy setting of yours now that we've covered two of them or three actually
0: Uh, I'm going to go a little weird, I think, for my next one. Okay, good choice. What is it? (laughs) Not that I don't have a wide variety of weird to pick from. Right, you do. I'm going to go with an odd game a lot of people probably never heard of, is uh, Airship Pirates. Even I have never heard of that, sir. So, okay. Airship Pirates, let's hear it. It's a weird post-apocalypse, steampunk fantasy kind of setting based on the music of the band Abney Park. Okay, And the whole premise of the game is that in 1906, I mm-hmm. believe it was the British government had developed the, uh, the Chrono-Nautilus, uh-huh. which was a time-traveling ship, and they activated it. Mm-hmm. But there was a problem, and it broke time. Oops. Yeah, that's oops, oops. is right. So the, the, the world that ends up forming after this horribly failed experiment and it mm-hmm. fails for a few reasons. You kind of have to either listen to the songs or, or read the game or both. It's this pseudo f- steampunk kind of setting where most things are wilderness. You've got very limited technology because there's a, uh, there, there's the neo Victorians who have built this giant fortress city. Mm-hmm. And the lords of the city destroy technology because they blame technology for. The, the resulting apocalypse. Right. And all of technology is taken here and destroyed, except little bits get out. And what ends up getting out, because what works now is like total mad science works. Mm-hmm. So everybody, you've got these like big gas filled like flying ships. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, 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 say, 1600s mad science is how you describe the technology of the time. Mm hmm. And then there's these like different groups, and it's because everything's broken, so imaginary stuff works right, along very specific lines because of how reality shuffled itself out. Mm, okay It's a weird setting, and the 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 mechanics of the game are 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 equally weird because if your character is competent enough, they can do almost anything, right. Like, your one character can hop onto an enemy airship and just, like, sword fight the entire crew to a standstill. Oh, okay. If you're good enough. And the way it works is as, as you develop your character, you get big, honking, huge handfuls of dice that you throw. Right. And it's another game you need certain numbers for success, but they also add the concept of the black dice. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get penalties to your chance to succeed. You get a certain number of black dice that you roll, right? And if the successes on those dice outnumber the successes on your regular dice, something horrible happens, right? So the whole game is geared towards just over the top action, right? In this bizarre over the top setting,
1: I so I can I can definitely see how you'd appreciate that. <laughs>
0: You know, when I think about
1: it, though, I don't really have any other, like, for me, I don't really have any other particular fantasy games. I mean, there are a few borderline ones. I'm fond of Rifts, of course, Mm -hmm. which you could argue whether that's a science fantasy game or not. I would probably say it is, but, you know, Rifts is kind of everything, so. mm. Yeah. Um, Same with uh, Shadowrun. Shadowrun's runs a lot of fun, mm-hmm. uh, urban fantasy. There we go. I mean that that's can be a that can be a good one. But again, it's so borderline with like cyberpunk. I tend to think of cyberpunk as more of a it, it's Shadowrun, Shadow Run, sorry, as more of a cyberpunk game than a fantasy game in a lot of ways. It's more cyberpunk with fantasy tropes stuck into it. Okay, I think
0: I'm able to fix that for you. Okay, sure, go for it. Because there's another game that it's another steampunk game. Mm-hmm. But it's what would happen if if Shadowrun happened in, like, the 1800s. Oh, okay. And that was uh, Victoriana. I do not know Victoriana. Okay.
1: Wow, you're really into these, like, obscure <laughs> um, games. Okay, let's hear about well, it.
0: You don't know the half of it. Um, Victoriana, which is... I'm familiar with, like, the first and second edition. I don't... They're up to at least third. Right. The setting is... It's... It's a uh, picture of the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. Magic is a thing. Yep. Yep. It's it's treated a little differently because the theology is a big part of the game. Okay. Um. There's like human animal hybrids in one of the races. There are elves. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's all these different races that have been around for a bit. The biggest change is that they have a form of Christianity. Right but the the their equivalent of Jesus wasn't this philosopher who taught peace he was a roman centurion oh and okay. he kind of went uh he kind of went down the same road but in a more militant fashion mm mm-hmm. and that's a big part of the setting the setting is a little more militaristic than typical steampunk is right it's a little more like aggressive a little little touch more angry i guess you'd say mm and this is part of why. And then there's also, like, other gods. Right. And this is where magic comes from these other, like, like they're kind of like low-powered chaos gods in Warhammer. Mm-hmm. And they've infiltrated, and this is where, like, the spiritualism of the day and the the secret clubs and that of the day, because in real life in the Victorian era, that those were all big things. Oh, yeah. In the game, they've been kind of usurped by these, like, evil deities and demonic entities that are trying to take apart society. Oh, okay. So it, they had Facebook back then. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, folks. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's another one that that um, it because of the low tech setting, it moves more towards the oh. the fantasy idea, mm. than say Shadowrun, because again, the technology is a big part of Shadowrun.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. That's why I say that I think it leans very heavily towards cyberpunk, or and with just you know. It, With uh, fantasy
0: races, basically. Yeah, and and Shadowrun the Magic, again, is fairly well understood. Mm. Whereas if you get to Victoriana, it's kind of well understood, but there's always that possibility of evil behind it. Yes. And that gives you that unknown, and that's another thing I think takes it a little closer to a fantasy idea. Okay, so yeah, that does sound like Victoriana is definitely more, that's
1: definitely the fantasy version of that. Yeah. I, I could definitely buy that. Okay. Beyond that, like I said I, you know, I appreciate like D&D and the other settings. I mean, there's a couple of fantasy things I've always thought were had some nice touches. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, uh RuneQuest of course, the Chaosium fantasy game. yeah I always thought was kind of neat for making, I don't know why, I've mentioned this before, for making elves into plant people. I always uh-huh. thought that was kind of a nice touch. Because it it keep, makes them not just humans with long ears, but it really makes them <laughs> a little bit alien in a way. And I like that. Right. But as far as, like, role-playing fantasy settings go, I don't really think... Can't really think of that many other ones that really uh, appeal to me that much. Yeah. I'll... I mean... Because they're mostly just D&D in one form or another with little touches. Like, yeah. Like, like that, obviously. I mean... Maybe the Mouse Guard role-playing game—that's an interesting one. Yeah, that's a uh, I know a guy who's like obsessed with that one. That's not a surprise. It is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've, I've read through the book. I haven't had the chance to actually play it, but I've read through the book, and yeah, that was actually a really well. I read the original comic as well, and it, it's actually very well done. Yeah. Um, for those for those who aren't familiar, think of it as a fantasy medieval fantasy esque setting, except all the players are mice, and so they're the size of mice except that they have, you know, they you know, they have clothes and ambidextrous hands
0: and everything like that. And mm-hmm. and so, and all the monsters are just other animals. Yeah, you know what it is? What? It's the mouse version of Bunnies and Burrows. Pretty much, yeah. Except you don't run out of energy doing everything like <laughs> Bunnies and
1: Burrows apparently does.
0: Yeah, that was the only uh, hang up on that game.
1: I look Whereas... out the window,
0: snore. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Whereas Mouse Guard is basically a straight up low fantasy game you just happen to be mice and the you know a lot of the other uh the 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 major animals you're dealing with are of course you know other animal other real world animals Mm -hmm. um which i thought was a really nice touch i mean that's that's it's kind of fun yeah i mean it 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 puts a nice spin on it because that's one of the problems i generally have with fantasy especially western fantasy and again we can talk about this i know why they do it but is the fact that Pretty much all Western fantasy at this point is just Tolkien and D&D. Yeah, I mean, you don't see many other variants. Now, I understand why. We kind of covered it earlier, right? I mean, everyone just kind of automatically understands it. So it's much easier to do D&D with this one twist than it is to actually come up with a fully different fantasy setting, like to come up with original one. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't see them very often. And heck, that's what the audience seems to want, right? Right um but at the same time there's a lot to be said i mean there's a lot of other kind of fantasy we could be doing that we're simply not just because we're not just because everyone's just so focused on doing dnd type stuff i mean you will see occasionally other stuff i mean um even tsr did release some other kinds of fantasies so of course they had their oriental adventures mm-hmm. D in the orient um but they did have was it dark sun which was like kind of a desert fantasy kind of thing which okay that was different i mean at least a little bit different but I'll, I'll, i'll accept different i mean there have been there's arthurian fantasy of course which never quite seems to catch on sorry jack but it but it never really seems to catch on very well um people love the king arthur stuff but they would more rather just play a paladin in D&D than they
0: would play an actual proper King Arthur game, yeah, cause, generally speaking. Because the problem with, like say, your King Arthur thing is it feels like a specific character in another setting now. Mm, that's true. Like, it's got the problem that the, 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 the knightly thing has been done so many times that even if you go back to the original, for most of your audience, it's going to feel like old hat. Yeah, it is. Maybe. I
1: mean, we might be at a point where the knight thing has been kind of left a, a pushed to the side so much that maybe for the genera- current generation it won't feel like old hat anymore. Maybe. I mean I because yeah. a lot of them you know they probably know who King Arthur is but I mean that was an actual genre. I don't know if you realize this like even um I think it was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle if I remember right wrote an actual fantasy series like about knights mm-hmm. as well. I mean there was a there was a thing or there was a period where people actually wrote like all these night, nightly fantasies, basically, they didn't usually involve a lot of magic. Maybe there was a dragon involved. They were mostly about you know knights going on adventures and stuff. Right. But that was actually a thing at one point, like over a hundred years ago, and obviously inspired largely by the whole Arthurian stuff. Right. And then that kind of just disappeared. Well, like it- the, I. It hasn't been popular for quite a while.
0: It comes back every now and then. Like every couple of years, somebody does like another King Arthur movie or another Knight's Tale or something. Mm. But again, I think what you get in the modern era is a lot of people associate that with D&D and wait, or Tolkien and they're waiting for the orcs. Pretty much,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Watching these humans bash on each other, not that interesting, where they're waiting for that dragon to
0: show up. Yeah, And and that's where you can get like say Game of Thrones is basically that. But with exactly that. just enough of a, of a touch of the ultra-fantastic that it feels different. And then they show mm-hmm. tits, which, of course, is always popular. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, no, no, no. And Game of Thrones is
1: did the tease thing where they basically literally, literally from the beginning of the first book, they were teasing all these the fantasy monsters and such. Yeah. And then it takes them forever. They Spoilers. But they do eventually show up. But it takes a while. Yeah. For you, for you to get them, but you do have them, and that's that—that that satisfies that itch, I suppose.
0: Yeah, because that kind of you can. There's, there's. I'm gonna bring up another really obscure role playing game here. Okay, sure. A newer one, because um, you can do permutations of the old, like say D and D formula, right? And one that I've recently seen that I kind of got a kick out of mm-hmm. was uh, for uh, the D twenty D and D. They did the Crushed supplement. Right. Which is based on this weird anthro uh, webcomic comedy story. Okay. And they essentially took D&D and d and d and would it up. Okay. How do you <laughs> D&D up D&D? Well, the main premise of the setting is that certain people are heroes. Mm-hmm. And you never know if you're a hero or not, like a player character, essentially. Right. Until you die. Be- oh, Because okay. re- real heroes don't die. You sort of reincarnate naked without all your equipment at this, like, temple.
1: Right. But but when you know that you were a hero once you reincarnated? Yeah, when
0: you... But not until you get killed do you realize... The first time. Okay, the first time you die, yeah. you suddenly discover, oh, wait, I'm a hero. And so you got this weird setting with all of these, like, picture D&D where nobody's really afraid to, like, get killed. Right. Except you kind of are because it hurts and it's a pain in the ass to have to gather up all your stuff again and... And, and that kind of thing.
1: Well, that's where we get into a lot of uh, the lit RPG, which we talked about before. Mm-hmm. And even a lot of the game style fantasy that's come out. I mean, one of the things that's happened in Japan, I might as well bring this up. One of the things that's happened in Japan with the whole light novel movement, especially in the last five years, they've basically become overwhelmed with fantasy novels. Mm -hmm. Most of which are lit RPG about a character or portal fantasy where a character goes to another world or they get, go to another computer world, simulation world or whatever. But they're all pretty much character from our world goes somewhere else basically is what they almost all are. Mm -hmm. And I've seen numbers indicate there are, the, the, the Japanese have written tens of thousands of these things. Right. Like, and what we're seeing like there's actually a huge movement right now of uh, these of these light novels because most of them are written as light novels uh being published over here like there's actually a big light novel movement going on right now mm-hmm. and so one of the things that i'm i'm impressed by actually is that a lot of them are like different takes now again these are the best of those tens of thousands of novels there's <laughs> right. the, there's the catch okay these are the best of them Okay, So what's happening is the ones that people are going for are the ones that aren't just generic fantasy world, but have put a decent twist on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned, and we were doing the one on Shonen Manga, we mentioned, what is it? I'm a, I've I'm been reincarnated as a slime, or I believe it's called. There's something to that mm-hmm. effect. And the, oh, no, no, sorry. We mentioned, I'm a spider, so what? Yeah. That was the one we mentioned. But there's another one where you're a slime as well. Mm. <laughs> um, I was reading a little bit of that one before. and so And the one thing I will give them is... They're trying some different takes on fantasy settings. Right, like they're trying different things with fantasy settings than we are here, and I give them I'll give them absolute points on that because they're all all in this competition to see who can come up with with this new novel twist on fantasy that will actually you know get sales basically give them a readership and yeah. you'll know, possibly get them a, a book contract because they're mostly written for free on websites right right and maybe an anime and all that other stuff but you have to come up with something that's really going to catch people's attention right you can't just have a normal fantasy setting or a situation and so they're coming up with all these different bizarre ones <laughs> um i was telling don before the show about one that partly inspired doing this episode today there's one called no game no life which is um the short version is it's about two shut-in gamers is a shut-in gamer and his sister basically end up in this other fantasy world which i found fascinating there's a there's a book there might be there probably is a comic there definitely is a comic there's an animated version you can find on Crunchyroll if you're curious about it no game no life it's a, it's actually really addictive it's kind of interesting Um, but basically they end up in this fantasy world where what's happened is that there was a war of the gods. This isn't spoiling anything. They literally tell you this at the beginning. There was a war of the gods and the God that won was the trickster God. And so, or maybe by letting all the other ones die, who knows, whatever. The key point is the trickster God is obsessed with games and such. And so the trickster God basically rewrote the rules of reality for this other world where what's happening is there's no war. There's no, uh, fighting, there's no killing people aren't allowed to kill each other, uh people aren't allowed to even steal things from each other. Instead, everyone lives by these ten rules of the world, ten rules of reality, basically, because if you're a god, you can rewrite the rules of reality. It doesn't just mean giving people in a setting, you know, magic powers or letting clerics heal people. You can literally play with the rules of reality. And this is something that I very rarely see done. And so that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that impressed me. And and the rules of reality in this case are all designed to basically make people constantly have to play games with each other to <laughs> accomplish things. And it, so they have to engage in some cor- form of competition or game to do anything in this setting, to get other people... So literary wars can be fought in this setting with games of poker. though Usually they're slightly bigger, event, more eventful games and such. Mm-hmm. And um, they <laughs> so and or whatever. But the thing is to accomplish anything... Uh, you have to uh, you have to do you have to play a game with someone and whatever whatever stakes you set on well, those stakes are literally enforced by god after that point mm-hmm. which leads to some entertaining and funny situations but again the point is is that even though these rules and everything were all set up basically to facilitate this story of course where these gamers from our world end up in that world and then because they're so good at games they absolutely kick ass most of these like novel stories they're all power fantasies of one kind or another yeah the point is is that the author really thought some of this stuff through Mm -hmm. and so you end up with a fantasy world that's actually quite different than what you would normally see right and that's the type of difference that i like to see like i like to see these fantasy settings that are not just thought through i like that's something i love
0: but are also a different take on fantasy or a different style of fantasy yeah, and for for the audience, there's also a seven minute version of uh, No Game No Life.
1: Yes, you can find it No Game No Life in seven minutes on um, YouTube. You can find yeah. it. M- mind you, that focuses on some of the more uh, odd aspects of it, but it's really funny. It's really funny. I saw that first, and then I went and watched the real show. <laughs> Um, it doesn't really spoil that much oddly enough no it, it kind doesn't. of does a little bit but, it, but <laughs> oddly enough it doesn't spoil that much the the, the
0: seven minute version yeah I, I, I yeah i got a kick out of that in my world we have a thing called the heart of the cards you're just playing you oh no, <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> um, oh it's it's a lot of fun and um so anyway so things like that i mean mm. the Japanese of course have been doing some of some of the more different fantasy settings. I mean, Naruto, for example, has... Or at least the first half of Naruto has a fairly <laughs> different fantasy setting. And yeah. then the setting just kind of disappears for the second half. But whatever. Yeah. Um, One Piece, again, has a fairly unique and oddly well-thought-through fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. Like, really weirdly thought through in, in many ways as it's gone on. He keeps explaining things that you thought... You thought, oh, that's just some weird fantasy thing. And then you look back and then it's like, holy crap, there's a reason for that. mm mm-hmm and it's it's astounding i think he mostly just throws weird stuff in and explains it later on but still it all works it's, it all seems to work so you never know what he's planned and what he hasn't that's the thing about oda right and so it's these other types of non D fantasy settings that i really do uh i'm really found i'm more pulled to not just because they're asian but just
0: because they are different takes on fantasy yeah i think part of the problem you run into with uh Fantasy proper and coming up with new versions is that in a lot of ways, fantasy by definition is based around tradition. That's true. So it's hard to think of essentially a new tradition to base your setting on. Right. Where science fiction has the advantage that we're always inventing something new and then you can blow that up into however big in whatever setting you want to do. Yeah, that's a very good point. I hadn't actually thought of that, but I think you're exactly right. I mean, it is.
1: More difficult because we can only with fantasy, we can only really work with what's already
0: there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why in the last like decade or two, you've seen like the urban fantasy idea mm. because that kind of gives you the advantage of both. You can have he's a wizard with a cell phone, and then you can hijinks ensue, right?
1: Yep, actually, there's uh, there's another light novel called um, I'm Trapped in a Fantasy World with My Cell Phone. Mm-hmm. Or I'm in a I'm in a fantasy world myself on something to that effect, which is about a guy who's accidentally killed, and it's kind of funny. So God's like, well, you know, I'm really sorry about this, but I can't send I can't send you back to your own world because you're dead there. Uh-huh. Is it could you know do you want to just go to this fantasy setting? And the guy's like, oh, okay. And he's like, can I make my phone work in the setting? It's like, okay. So he goes to a fantasy setting with his with his cell phone, mm-hmm. and then begins using the knowledge because he can access. He 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 can call God if he really needs to, but he's <laughs> mostly can. He's mostly got all access to the internet and everything. He's basically got access to Wikipedia and the internet, uh-huh. but he's in a fantasy world. Hmm. So he's using the knowledge that he's got on this phone to actually change to build a new life and to change the world. Yeah. See that things like that they're a nice touch but the setting itself is just really 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 generic fantasy. I mean, the Japanese have an even more generic version of D&D than we do. Mm-hmm. That's kind of their default. Yeah. Um it's a subtraction. It's the exact same as traditional D&D except you got cat girls in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all there's always some weird animal race, usually cat girls. Mm-hmm. But other than that cuz their version of D&D is basically uh, was it the early Final Fantasy games, uh-huh. and uh, what's the other one? The one that uh, the Dragon Ball guy did the
0: art for, Dragon Quest, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, but those are basically, like, D&D. They're D&D. Like, yeah, they're D&D. Japan's yeah. version, like, like inspiration for D&D was D&D. Like, it was yeah. crazy yeah. popular there.
1: Yep, and as an end result, they, they have this generic RPG version of it, though. But your average person doesn't know dungeons and dragons as a as a tabletop game in japan as far as i can as far as i know mm-hmm. they only really know fantasy role-playing as in the computer game version like from the super nes like dragon quest and things like that that to
0: them is fantasy but it's D still yeah. yeah and i i think it's the same reason why um that would be their intro to to, to western fantasy and it's why like here in in like North America, everybody's idea of Eastern fantasy is the guy with the giant mustache. Your powers are no match for mine. I will kung fu you. Ha! Huh? Let's fight. Because that's the the yes, the little taste no. that we grew up with. All the chopsocky movies. Uh, for our generation, yes. For mm-hmm. the current generation, I would
1: disagree. They're actually more inspired by the anime stuff. Yeah. Their so their their idea of. Um, of you know Asian fantasy is more like Ninja Scroll basically. It's here. It's Naruto. It's mm-hmm. Naruto. It's Ninja Scroll. It's that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. I, I don't even think most of them even think of One Piece as fantasy. Probably most of them look at it and think of it as like steampunk or something. Yeah, because it but it kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah, One Piece is one of those various. But I would argue One Piece is still. It, the because of the devil fruit ass magical aspect of it it i would say it leans more towards fantasy but it yeah it kind of is steampunk too it's got yeah, you're cyborgs right. it's got cyborgs that's true then they but there's and they're steam-powered cyborgs. or if actually Frank frankie if i remember it' like coke powered if i remember right mm-hmm. he's he's working on like uh carbonated l- liquids and such mm-hmm. um so you're right it does have that stuff um yeah <laughs> yeah maybe yeah maybe one piece is actually more more of a steampunk thing um but in the end really it's like a superhero battle manga anyway it's just mm-hmm. that's all it's just background but whatever right thing i w- i actually do prefer non conventional or non token d and d esque fantasy right and i encourage authors to try to try different kinds of fantasy i yeah. mean even if you're just you know doing something based off i don't know african stuff or Russian stuff or mm-hmm. um Fijian, you know, low folklore or something. Try something different sometimes. I mean, there's lots of other different fantasy backgrounds out
0: there, and we generally just kind of ignore them. Chris, you know what the uh, the brutal irony of that is? What? The very original white book D &D and D had all that stuff in the monster manual, didn't it? No, they they did the uh, when they did the uh, first deities and demigods. Oh, yes. That's the book I was... Yeah, they included all yeah, not, the different... Not the hardcover one. I'm talking the original little white book one. Really? Yeah, they had tons of different, like, f- like like uh, like uh, pantheons. And they published in, like, Dragon and Strategic Review, I think, had a couple, the first couple. There were, like, tons mm-hmm. of them. They included, like, everybody. And you got, like, a quick rundown right. of the culture <laughs> and some of the monsters. and And clerics of this guy will do this and that. Yeah, it was all right there from the beginning. It's just we kind of lost a lot of that wow
1: huh
0: i had no idea mm-hmm. there we go
1: well okay um was there anything else you wanted to cover on uh, about fantasy i think we've covered the basics pretty much yeah we did the 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 thing that i find
0: um that kind of struck me and it's 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 exciting and frightening at the same time because mm-hmm. uh, you get to this idea that And we've talked about it before, how each generation takes the stuff they grew up with and then kind of tailors it to themselves as they go on. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think a lot of um, what we get now for fantasy and sword and sorcery is Tolkien and Mm D&D. Because going back to, like, say, even our parents' generation, Tolkien was the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tolkien, Conan, Conan, D&D borrows a lot from them. D&D kind of solidified it back in, like, for our generation. And that's what everybody still kind of draws from. Right. The thing that that puts me in mind that I find that because I'm going to see this in my lifetime is what is the dark gritty My Little Pony going to be like?
1: Oh, You had to go there, didn't
0: you? I know because we're going to experience it. We're going to we're going to see it what is the dark gritty my little
1: pony <laughs> going to be like well i think that's an excellent question for people to um go to obeythedna.com mm-hmm. and uh, write a comment to this show and tell us what the dark gritty my little pony will be like leave a comment you know share a link you know let, let people know that uh, the podcast <laughs> is out there and that we're talking about my little pony again <laughs> i have a new shtick But then again, I'm the one who asked for non-conventional, non-D&D fantasy, and My Little Pony definitely counts. There is a game. And there is a game. I'm still not playing it, but there is a game.
0: (laughs) There there is definitely a game. And that Mm -hmm. proves it. That's my new, instead of uh, GURPS Ice Age being the game I scare my group with, that's the new one. (laughs) I can totally see that. Um, I know there
1: are a lot of aspects of fantasy we haven't covered today. Uh, mm-hmm. People are wondering thinking about like, why didn't you talk more about like magic, or why didn't you talk more about uh, different fantasy races or other stuff like that? We'll do that another show. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we'll actually do a show on those. We'll probably even do a show maybe on some of the more specific, detailed versions of fantasy. Like maybe we'll do a show on Arthurian fantasy at some point. We'll see or historical fantasy. I mean, mm-hmm. that could probably be fun, mm-hmm. but this was meant to be kind of a very basic primer to some of the different kinds of fantasy and our takes on fantasy and how we see it basically and we'll we will we will talk more about fantasy at some point in the future because as everyone who's been listening to us knows we kind of jump around from topic to topic and we eventually work our way back to almost everything Mm -hmm. so on that note Thank you, everyone, very much for uh, listening to us ramble on about fantasy for two hours. Um, I hope you found it at least somewhat entertaining and or interesting. And as I said before, check out ObeyTheDNA.com for our show notes and our past episodes. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell a friend about the show. Mm. Good night, everyone. Bye. Good luck. Thanks for listening to the show.